Memorial Day is sacred ground as we honor and we commemorate those who have paid the greatest sacrifice. It's also an opportunity for us to decide how we will honor their sacrifice. I think it's important to reflect. I think the solemn nature of what this day represents should be taken solemnly. But I also think it's an opportunity to honor the memory of those who've made this sacrifice by consciously and deliberately enjoying the freedoms that their sacrifice secured. Hopefully we never look at Memorial Day as an opportunity to buy a new mattress. But I do believe because of those whom I have known whose family members sacrificed on behalf of this country, that they would in fact want us to enjoy a burger, time on the water, family, friends. If you've been around Lake Hills Church at all, you know that we have a strategic partner in America's Mighty Warriors. Debbie Lee founded this organization after the death of her son, Mark, in Iraq in August of 2006. Mark was the first Navy SEAL killed in Iraq. And Debbie founded this organization to serve Gold Star families, but also to serve veterans who are coming home and assimilating back into our culture, our communities. And so it's an amazing honor and privilege that we have as a church family to partner with her and America's Mighty Warriors. If you are not aware, that's what every one of those flags represents outside is members of Lake Hills Church saying we wanna help further the mission of America's Mighty Warriors in serving Gold Star families and veterans. I'll tell you, it's a, it's a good day when as a church family we can make a donation to America's Mighty Warriors north of $11,000 where things stand right now. And you can still get in on it. But I thought it would be appropriate to read to you just a portion of Mark Lee's last letter home. He sent it just after the 4th of July from Iraq. And in just over a month's time, he would be dead. This is the very end of the letter. He says, the fourth has just come and gone and I received many emails thanking me for helping keep America great and free. I take no credit for the career path I have chosen. I can only give it to those of you who are reading this because each one of you has contributed to me and who I am. However, what I do over here is only a small percent of what keeps our country great. I think the truth to our greatness is each other. Purity morals and kindness passed down to each generation through example. So to all my family and friends, do me a favor and pass on the kindness. 
the love, the precious gift of human life to each other so that when your children come into contact with a great conflict that we are now faced with here in Iraq, that they are people of humanity, of pure motives, of compassion. This is our real part to keep America free. Happy Fourth. Love you, Mark Lee. P.S. Halfway through the deployment, can't wait to see all of your faces. I never had the privilege of knowing Mark, but I know his mama. I know the woman who raised a warrior. And I think it's also important to be able to acknowledge through Memorial Day weekend that honoring those who sacrifice for our freedom does not mean America is perfect. We have work to do, in particular because of those we honor on Memorial Day. But as your pastor, I would lovingly challenge you, push back. I would say even defy you to find somewhere else on the planet that has a better shot of working on its problems and having its citizens contribute to the solutions than where you and I are right now. It can be both and at the same time. This year I wanted to do something a little bit different. I went to seminary. I'm a pastor. But I thought this Memorial Day weekend we should hear from someone who has served, someone who has lost brothers and sisters in arms fighting for our freedoms. David and Kate Smith have been a part of the Lake Hills Church family since 2007. David is a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy, immediately after which he got traded to the Navy and became a Navy fighter pilot flying F-14 Tomcats in combat. David and their family, David and his family, are some of the greatest blessings we have as a church family and that Julie and I have personally. He's been a friend. He's been a confidant. He's been a sounding board. And I cannot wait for you to get to hear from my friend, our family member, David Smith. David, I thought it'd be good just to kind of let people know a little bit of background, kind of where you come from. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell y'all, David's mom, Sandy, is in the house. Give it up for the mom of a fighter pilot. <laughs> Sandy, I don't know you well, but I bet you're tough. <laughs> tough. Um, did I hit that one? She's tough. Okay, good. I figured. I figured as much. Um, just a little bit of background, and before you kind of get started on where you grew up 
how you decided you were going to the Air Force sure. Academy, that sort of thing. I just want to let our church know, David and his wife, Kate, serve in LAC kids with babies. So we have fighter pilots on the floor with children in Lake Hills Church keeping everybody safe. And they, they win. They win. <laughs> That's tough for battle. But they're safe. Yeah, tough for battle. Look, tell us where you grew up, your family, and... I grew up in Amarillo. I actually was born in Wilcox, Arizona, kind of in the middle of nowhere. But uh, we had a cotton farm, an alfalfa farm there. Then we moved to Amarillo, and I graduated from high school there. And uh, then went on to the Air Force Academy. Um, uh, kind of the motivation behind that was to serve. And we've also, my mother's cousin was a fighter pilot in Korea and Vietnam, and he was always kind of a, always kind of looked up to him. So I thought be So was he kind of the, the one that gave you the vision and said, that would be really cool to go do? A little, a little bit, yeah. But I saw flying. I thought flying, you know, and then flying fighters would be the greatest thing in the world. So uh, I was fortunate enough to get into the academy uh, by the, you know, the skin of my teeth, actually. Uh, I, I found out the night before I graduated high school. Someone else had gotten the slot. And then uh, he declined it, and they said, hey, you know, no you can be there way. for a week. So, yeah, so I was a, I was a last minute guy. Hey, can I ask you a question? This is just a personal question. Sure. Just bear with me for a second. Is flying fighter jets as cool as it looks? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks like it. Are you excited about the new Top Gun movie or not? I, I actually am. Okay. It, it's, uh, I'm, not, I'm not that big a fan of Tom Cruise, but uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting. What? They, 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 they filmed the movie on the Teddy Roosevelt, and that's, uh, that's a, the ship I was on, so it's going to be interesting oh, that's to, cool. to see that. And he's done a lot, for obviously, for naval aviation. Sure. And, and the movie came out when I was at the Air Force Academy, so it obviously had an influence. And then being able to go fly Tomcats is just the greatest thing So you flew F-14 Tomcats, mm -hmm. and you flew in Bosnia? Yeah, I flew uh, in 91 in Desert Storm, so yeah. that was... Uh, was 24 years old, just an absolute baby, and uh, heading over there. And um, how much does an F-14 Tomcat cost? You know, I think it's like 40, 50 million, something like that. It was something like that. 24, 24. Here's 50 oh, mil. Yeah. Good yeah. luck. Yeah, it's it's crazy the responsibility that you get in uh, in the in the services and in, especially in the Navy. But um, and then in '93 we were in Bosnia as well. Okay. So I uh, went back and, and flew more missions than that. And then we actually went back into Iraq because more things happened at that point. So we were definitely at the, the tip of the spear. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious, when you're at the Air Force Academy or even when you graduate and you move into your naval squadron and that sort of thing, how much do they talk about or in training, do they talk about why you're doing what you're doing? Uh, you know, I think it's already kind of in bed in us when we get there, but you definitely talk about it a lot. And I think that the biggest thing when you're going into battle is you're really, obviously you're trying to do national policy and stuff like that, but you're really fighting for your your your, your brothers, right? Yeah. That's, that's who you're going to go into arms way with, and it gives you the confidence to do what you're going to do because I know that if something, you know, tragic happens to me, I know that these guys are going to risk their lives to get me, and I'm going to risk my lives to get them too, my life to get them too, and... Uh, so you just, there's a deep brotherhood and bond there that, that, that still, still happens. In, in about four weeks, we're having the, it'll be the 30th anniversary of our homecoming from Desert Storm. Mm. And we're actually hosting the, uh, the reunion, uh, the squadron reunion here, really looking forward to it. But that, that deep bond, that brotherhood. And some of, the, they're come, some of them are going to come to church that Sunday. Yeah, yeah, there's we're probably about a half a dozen guys here. That's so awesome. It'll be, good. it'll be a lot of fun. Um, I want to go back for just a second. You said... There was something in you at 18 when you graduated high school, going to the Air Force Academy, obviously as an elite, I mean, to get that appointment is not easy, but you said that even then there was something about service that was embedded. Where did that come from just in your life? 
No, I think it comes from family. You know, it comes from my, my parents and my grandparents. Uh, and we've had a lot that served as well. My, my grandfather was uh, in World War II in the Pacific. Uh, did five different assault landings, uh, Peleliu, Tarawa, uh, the Battle of Lady Gulf. Uh, Lady Gulf, I mean, it's the largest naval battle in history. Um, you know, it's, so seeing that, his brother... Wait, I'm sorry, he, he was part of the landings in those battles? Yeah, he was on the Navy side with uh, the landing craft. He actually, I don't know if there's any Marines in here, but he landed Chesty Puller at, at uh, Peleliu, which is, that earns me a lot of beers whenever I'm with Marines. <laughs> so... Uh, but uh, it's very significant. So seeing that kind of service, and you know, his father was in the army before that, and uh, my mother's cousin is a fighter pilot, uh, and my my grandfather's brother, who we never met, and my mother never met because he uh, he was a glider pilot and he was killed in Tunisia, and uh, he's buried in Tunisia now. You, it, you made a really good point at the start here about the about our country, and we could be a better country, but I think that we're the greatest country in the history of mankind for many reasons and one of them being i was thinking about it this morning is that you know you've got different empires that have grown and they they, they took over lands and you know at the end of world war one and world war two uh all we asked the only land we asked for was cemeteries to bury dead and my great uncle is buried in one of those in tunisia um no country's ever done that before and we do it because of our, our values that you know that we're trying to uh you know defend I think that's a, such an important point that not only did we not claim land to the, you know, they've always said, to the victor go the spoils. Um, but then we also helped our just former enemies rebuild everything that had been destroyed. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, uh, the Marshall Plan, everything happened, rebuilding Europe and, you know, even what we're doing today. It's, uh, there's a lot of our, our treasure and resources that we put into that, and it's very selfless. David, I'm, I'm curious about something. As someone who's served and has, has known people who have died serving, how do you process the news? when? And I don't care who it is, whether it's CNN or Fox, they love to polarize sure. and tell us you know, all these things about how polarized we are. But as someone who served defending the ability to, to have an opinion and, and voice it, how do you process that? I try not to. <laughs> I try to. Uh, That's not, wisdom right there. Yeah, I'm not that crazy about a lot of the news, but it, because it, it's very, It's not news. Well, it's very divisive, right? It's, uh, and it, it creates a lot of bitterness. And, uh, and the, uh, the antidote to bitterness is gratitude, right? So you, I, I just, when I see this stuff, it. Uh, Wait a minute, say that again. That's too good to skate by. The antidote to bitterness is gratitude. And uh, let the preacher preach. <laughs> That's so true. If you're grateful, you yeah. can't be bitter. Well, I think about it myself. The, the times that I've been really bitter, think about the other side. When I've been really bitter, there's not an ounce of gratitude in me. And the same thing when I'm really grateful, uh, there's not bitterness. Just think in your mind about someone, and it's easy for all, any of us to do. Think of someone who's really bitter. And I guarantee within one second, everyone's got someone in mind. Hopefully it's not someone sitting next to you, right? But uh, and when you think about that person, do you think of gratitude at all? And there's, it's not. And then if you think about someone who's really grateful and genuinely grateful, and they're usually very kind, that's such and a Joyful. Word, joyful, absolutely peaceful. And if you think about someone there, I, I'm betting most of us think probably a grandparent, right? And I think about my mother's mother now. 
and um, and uh, no bitterness. So gratitude is the antidote to bitterness. There's a lot of bitterness in the world. I think that the, the news media, uh, they foster that from a lot of divisiveness. That's how they sell, right? It's part of Right, because they're, they're in it to make money. I think that's the thing that I, I want to continue to reiterate. Fox, CNN, MSNBC, all they want is your money. Money, money, money. That's all it is. It is a power grab on every front. Don't give them your money. That's my sermon for Memorial Day weekend. Amen. But seriously, I mean, and you know what I started doing? Back when, when COVID-19 broke out, what was that, 12 years ago, <laughs> and, and we were glued to the news. Remember? I still remember... I know you do too. I remember where 24-hour news started. It was with when Saddam Hussein invaded um, Kuwait. That was when CNN started. Boom, boom, boom. James Earl Jones, the whole thing. I digress. When COVID started, I was watching the news going, okay, they're shutting everything down. We can't have church this weekend. Okay, cool. And, but then I started, I started looking at it differently and going, what am I learning new that I don't already know? <laughs> this much. If there's news out there, you'll get it. But there's so much just, just divisive opinionating that I think contributes to the breakdown of our community, the breakdown. I've, I've seen people lose friends, choose to, to walk away from friendships over mask or no mask or anything else you want to name or mention. And I just think, you know, to sit down across the table with you, I think, you, if I can, you kind of have a 30,000-foot view of the world and kind of go, I'm going to focus on the stuff that really matters. That's, that's what you need to do. Okay, so talk to me about Memorial Day. From where you sit and the people you've known, what's your... What's your Memorial Day weekend like? It's, uh, it's very meaningful. Uh, it's very sobering and very grounding and also very needed, right? It just kind of gets you grounded. And um, I think about uh, it always starts pretty somber because I think about the guys that have passed that, uh, that I knew personally. That, um, and I think about them individually. I think about each one of them. I don't think about all of them. I think about each one of them. And I think about their families and the sacrifice they made, the sacrifice the families continue to make. That's, that's one thing. There's, you know, these guys made the sacrifice, but their families make. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about Fred Dillingham right now. Uh, he left his children, and uh, the rest of their lives they live without a dad. Uh, that's a tremendous sacrifice. So, I, but it starts somber. I think about that, and I think about what those guys would be like if they were around today. Um, but then that turns to gratitude. And I'm deeply grateful on many levels because I'm grateful for them for the sacrifices they made and their families. Um, I'm grateful for the friendships that I've had and what they poured into me, what I learned from them. I'm grateful for being alive, right? I mean, but for the grace of God, I'm alive. There's, uh, I'm probably on my seventh or eighth life right now, right? <laughs> so you just think about, I'm just grateful to be alive. And then I think about the country, right? And just how fortunate we are to live where we are and what we have. Uh, there's been no greater time in all of human history than right now to live, none. And you need to, we need to remember that. I mean, people get very bitter and you tend to, to think about what you don't have instead of what you do have. And so I think about that. But the, the gratitude then, 
it goes to obligation. And I think about uh, these guys that I need to, I need to live a life that's worthy of their sacrifice. And um, I need to live a, live a meaningful life, a significant life. And, um, and then I also need to live a good life. I mean, have a fun life. You were just talking about have fun. I, I sit and think about, uh, I'm thinking right now, Cy Winery. My mom called Cy her, her third son. <clears throat> Cy was an All-American water polo player at the Air Force Academy with me. When he graduated, he got 60 days off, so he thought, I'll just go swimming this channel. You know, he's just, uh, he's a guy that just absolutely devoured life. And I've thought about him many, many times ever since. And I know that he wants me to live life full bore. So Memorial Day is, it's a, it's a remembrance, it's a gratitude, it's the obligation. And then I think about, you know, living life fully. And, uh, and I think about that, um, you know, the incredible blessings that we have today are due to the sacrifice that they made. That's, the, that's their, the blessings I have today are the, is a gift and the legacy that they've given to me. Uh, so then I think about what my, what's my legacy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let me ask you this last question in closing because I think it's important that we never, um, never wrap the flag in the Bible. There's a distinction between the United States of America and the people of God. Just make that statement. How does your faith play into how you look at Memorial Day? Well, we're talking about sacrifice, right? So these guys sacrificed for, for our freedoms and to be able to live the way we have. And you think about Christ's sacrifice for us for eternity. So their sacrifice for me was for this, you know, life on earth. But, uh, but I think about, you know, the faith behind that and, and you know, Christ's sacrifice for me. To me, Memorial Day is a way sign on the way to the cross. I, I think, obviously, there have been a lot of people who have given their lives for our country who are not Christ followers. And I think their sacrifice is every bit as sacred as another's. But it also points us toward Jesus' words where he said, greater love has no man than this, than that he laid down his life for his friends. Um, and I just think about, you know, as I said, I didn't know Mark Lee, but I've gotten to know his mom pretty well over the last, I don't know, eight or 10 years. Um, that kind of sacrifice, which interestingly, I think this is interesting, the word sacrifice and the word sacred come from the same root words. There's, it's, there's that, that sacrificial, sacred nature involved in any sacrifice. And it's an opportunity for us to honor their memories as Americans and to look at the ultimate sacrifice of the perfect lamb who also, by the way, was a warrior, is a warrior. And uh, I just think it's, a, it's an amazing opportunity. And I cannot thank you enough for making the time in your schedule to be here and kind of helping to frame it for us all on this Memorial Day weekend. I'm honored. Thank you. David Smith, ladies and gentlemen.
Y'all can have a seat for just a moment. We don't really have time to get into it, but let me just assure you, I know David pretty well. He loves the Lord passionately. He loves his family passionately. And he is tough as a boot. It's not always up and to the right in this world. And I do love that you get on the floor and hold babies for us on Sunday mornings, David. That's just cool. John chapter 15. Jesus says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. It blows my mind to think about the fact that Jesus Christ went to the cross willingly, knowing he would be betrayed, knowing that some of us would stiff arm his sacrifice. As a matter of fact, Jesus said at one point in his ministry, sometimes someone may choose to die for a good man, but almost never for an evil man. Sometimes. And yet Jesus gave himself up, dying on the cross, not only because of the physical stress to his physical body, but also because of a spiritual transaction that happened on the cross. There on the cross, the Bible says he became my sin. He became your sin. So that means everything that you've ever done that you don't want anybody else to know about, anything that you're ashamed of, anything that would rupture your relationship with God, Jesus took on himself. And because he took that on, he paid not only the physical price, but the spiritual price as well for our sin. He died physically and he died spiritually, isolated from God. That's why he cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he knew in that moment that a holy and righteous God could not engage with sin. Even sin that was taken on his son. But, but, then he did what we couldn't have done. He defied and defeated death. He subdued and he subjected sin and he rose from the dead. 
And in his resurrection, there is the promise of forgiveness, the promise of amazing grace. I love what David said about how he processes where we are as a country personally. Kind of pick your head up and look at the big picture. There's no picture bigger than the picture of Jesus Christ offering you the forgiveness of your sins and a new life that is truly life. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. And in this moment, if you can hear my voice, if you're in the room, if you're online, wherever you may be, I want to ask you to spiritually look at the big picture and just answer a simple question. It's simple, but it's the most profound question you will ever address. Have I personally received forgiveness of my sins and chosen to follow Christ? That's it. And the answer is binary. It's a zero or a one, a yes or a no. If you're not sure, why not use this opportunity to get sure? If you know that your answer is no, as a church, we want to invite you right now to respond to the grace initiative of Jesus. Just right where you are to pray in your own words something like this. Just say, Silently, right where you are, from your heart to his, just say, Jesus, I need you. I need you, and I confess my sin to you. All of it. I'm holding nothing back. In order to receive and claim all of your grace, all of your forgiveness and I will follow you from this moment forward Lord I pray this prayer in your name I want to ask you just to remain with your heads bowed for another moment because this is sacred ground that we're on right now. If that was your prayer, this is the greatest moment of your life. And our job as a church, our privilege, is to help with what's next, to come alongside. In just a moment, we'll tell you kind of how that happens, but right now, as our heads are bowed, would you just raise your hand? If you just prayed that prayer, to commit your life to Christ, would you just raise your hand and hold it up high over your head for a moment? As a statement of faith. And know that 
as a church, as a family of faith, we celebrate that with you. And our family tradition around here is that as you put your hands down, we're gonna put our hands together and tell you, welcome home. <laughs>